today, humans. What's good boy? Chris Funder here with Alex Freddie Williams for another edition of Wrestling All Style. How you going, Alex? I am feeling fantastic. I, I feel like uh, someone's like lightened our workload this week, at least, just because there wasn't a pay-per-view. Yeah, well, enjoy it while it lasts, because from this Friday, we get pay-per-view quality matches almost every night with the G1. Yeah, but the G1 never feels like a task. Payback felt like a task leading into it. But like, the G1's exciting. Yeah, and then following that, you don't get a break from pay-per-views because the week after that, you get bound for glory. Yeah, um... No? (laughs) I I will only be happy if it's a repeat of 10-10-10. They're here. They used the wrong there on the sign they're holding at the end of the show. (laughs) Do you remember that? Isn't it like with three R's for here? Uh, No, it was like T-H-E-I-R. It said like they're here, which is like the possessive. Well, it's not making any sense, but yeah, yeah, it was dumb. I think Bound for Glory will be fun. I just don't know how excited I am heading into it, but I could probably argue that the proper build for it hasn't fully kicked in yet. As silly as it sounds, they should have already had it in effect, but yeah. Yeah, I'd probably agree there but i suppose speaking of um stuff we watched how many of the 13 events from this past week did you happen to catch out i watched what i always watch 205 live hell no um (laughs) here you go I just found out from your notes that there was a 10 pounds of gold this week i'm gonna go back and watch it but yeah nwa since losing dave lagana for him being cancelled which is fair enough get rid of him since they lost dave lagana their promotion and their like social media posts and all that sort of stuff are just like they're nothing anymore like how is it that i'm subscribed to their youtube channel and still didn't know that they were planning on putting up a 10 pounds of gold and that they did you know so they got a few issues there yeah so we go through to wednesday september the 9th 2020 National Wrestling Alliance 10 Pounds of Gold episode, as there's still no new episodes of NWA Power. I'm under the impression that Power is done. Probably at this stage. Just going to do that weird, like, TNA 2002 weekly pay-per-view thing. Yeah, so this one focused on Aldis versus Mike Bennett. A really good hype video. Got me really excited for the event next week. It is United Wrestling Network Primetime Live on fight now i'm legitimately excited for this match however after seeing the price and the full card it is way too high for what it is so it's hammerstone versus spanks for the west coast pro championship dan joseph versus levy shapiro for the united wrestling television championship camille versus heather munro the tribe versus wolf zaddies in a tag match Clearwater versus All Day, and the main event, Nick Aldis versus Mike Bennett for the NWA World's Heavyweight Championship. So this is $12.99 US each episode, or $35.99 for episodes one to four. In Australian, that's about $18 each episode, or about $50 for the four-pack. What the hell? Yeah, no thank you. Not spending that much. Yeah, even 
in terms of US money, Bound for Glory is cheaper than your four episodes of United Wrestling Network. With, like, a card that I recognise, like, maybe four names. If Hammerstone is who I think it is, then I recognise four names. But, yeah, I don't think the average person is going to recognise, like, two of the four people I even recognise, so... Yeah, so on here, names I know is Camille, of course, was aligned with oldest for a long time on NWA Power. Heather Munro, I believe, is the woman who was on AEW a few weeks back, had that uh, critically sort of poorly rated match against Sheeta. Yeah, she had a stinker. Let's not beat around the bush. <laughs> Clearwater, I believe, has been on New Japan Strong a few times. And then, of course, you've got Aldis, who's the world champ, and Mike Bennett, formerly of Ring of Honor, TNA, and WWE. I'm a huge fan of Alex Hammerstone from MLW, and if that's who the Hammerstone is at the start of on match one of this card, then that should be a treat as well. But I'm still not going to pay 50 bucks to watch four episodes of this if we're getting, like, one, like, name-caliber match per show. Yeah, and me and you were discussing this when you brought up that NWA was coming back sort of with weekly pay-per-views, that they have to be careful where they price it, even in a US market, for what it is at the moment. 13 bucks US is way overpriced when, oh, well, say 7 to $15 gets you a company's network, pay-per-views, TV, and a back catalogue of archives. I'm paying like seven ninety nine Australian for Impact Plus every month. Yeah, a lot better value. Yeah, and so like this is like almost double that price per episode. Yeah, and then you've even got something like New Japan that has New Japan Strong Weekly and their G1's coming up. It's, what, 10 bucks roughly a month? Yeah, that's right. It's the wrong time of year to be launching this when G1's just starting. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's honestly just not worth it. Now, if they go out there and do something absolutely insane in this first episode, like, who knows? But on paper, this doesn't do it for me. Yeah, I'd have to agree there as well. It's not worth what the price is there for that particular card and what else is happening this month. Yeah, exactly. I, I just wish they could still do power but considering it was pretty much all a dave lugana idea i don't think they'll be returning to that format unfortunately hopefully they do but i think nwa power is perfect for pandemic wrestling right yes well we'll get to as we talk about all the other companies that are running sort of studio wrestling either with virtual fans or standing crowds or no fans. Yeah, and NWA Power would have been perfect, especially that thing they were doing for a couple of weeks where they had, like, oh, they would bring in, like, new talent for a tryout and then have, the like... The Circle a, Squared? The Circle Squared, yeah. They had all the people sort of doing live reactions to it. Like, that would have been perfect in pandemic-era wrestling. Oh, well. But, but, oh, well, I just feel a bit bad for him because I recently, just for fun, re-watched Nick Aldis versus Cody Rhodes from All In and now seeing what's happening with the NWA title, it's quite a step below, right? <laughs> um, No, well, if you've seen the special, they're sort of telling the story of how Nick Aldis was at a low point leaving TNA and then he sort of reinvigorated himself by going to the NWA and everyone sort of 
was laughing at him and then he's become this sort of great rest outside of the bigger companies and Mike Bennett's sort of telling the, the same story there, how he had an addiction and how he's cleaned himself up and wanting to provide for his family. Yeah, yeah, but um, no offence to Mike Bennett and no offence to Nick Aldis, but this definitely isn't going to be Cody versus Aldis in ring. Yeah, it doesn't uh, have a neck tattoo on the line. Hey, Cody never had the neck tattoo when he wrestled Aldis, and you're talking about a different era. Um, but yeah, I don't think these two guys are as good as everyone thinks they are. That's just my hot take for the evening. I think Aldis is fantastic on the mic and everything like that. But in ring, he really needs a really good partner in there with him. And I don't know if Mike Bennett is the guy. But who knows? Maybe in the past couple of years, he'll learn a few tricks. Yeah, I sort of disagree with you there. I sort of think it'll be a good match either way. Yep. So from there... We go down to All Elite Wrestling Dark. Did you watch this week? No, but I, I heard a fair bit of discourse on Twitter about, was it Ricky Starks and Benjamin Carter? Yeah, go ahead. What's the sort of thing Oh, there? just um, everyone just loving the way Ricky Starks was wrestling in this match. There was like particular things where Benjamin Carter did the dive through Ricky's legs as like sort of a leapfrog, but Ricky didn't leave his feet. He saw sort of crawls between Ricky's legs, but the entire time Benjamin Carter's crawling through, Ricky Starks, instead of just standing there with his thumb up his butt, basically... He's desperately reaching at Benjamin Carter as he's running through and, like, being real desperate. And, like, there was lots of gifs on Twitter about Ricky Stark ring psychology, like, in the ring. And and uh, lots of examples of things that Ricky Starks does in the ring that people just don't do anymore. And I was quite impressed from the clips I saw on Twitter about that. And fortunately, it has nothing to do with Benjamin Carter. I'm sure he was he was good as well, but um, Ricky Starks has just become a bit of an internet favourite by the looks of things. Yeah, fair enough. Seven-card event, I felt sort of this was a nothing show, in my opinion. Despite being an hour, the damage has been done in overexposing Dark over the past month, making it a very missable weekly show, in my opinion. Yeah, that's fair enough. Two shows last week, the constant time changes from an hour to two hours to an hour and a half to two hours to an hour to an hour and a half to two hours to a double episode before your pay-per-view. Yeah, yeah, it's not necessary. I've been saying the past couple of weeks, the only reason why AEW Dark exists is so people's records can be padded before they get a bit of a push on Dynamite. Yeah, I guess. So from there, you read across the line. Yeah, man. Let's talk about a, in my opinion, good episode of Impact. Oh, really? I'm not saying it was great, but it was good. Yeah, I have to agree there as well. I thought it was a a good episode of Impact. So first match, singles match, TJP defeat Chris Bay. Second match, Brian Myers defeat Willie Mack. Third match, a tag team match for the Impact Tag Team Championship. The Motor City Machine Guns, Alex Shelley and Chris Saban, the champions, defeat the Rascals. Des and Wentz. Fourth match, a singles match, Ty Valkyrie with Johnny Bravo defeated Tasha Stills, who had Kira Hogan in her corner. And the main event of the night, match number five, an old school rules match, Eric Young defeated Tommy Dreamer. They've also announced Bound for Glory's coming up Sunday, the 25th of October. Yeah. So, um, what did you think about Alicia Edwards? 
promo at the start of the show. Yeah, it was passable. Oh, I thought it was like, oh man. I've seen um, high school theatre shows with better acting than Alicia Edwards. Oh man, she was just, she was very cringe-inducing on this episode of Impact. But besides that, it set up a decent story for the main event. The main event was my only complaint of this show besides the opening promo. Um, Eric Young and Tommy Dreamer, like, I don't know. I'm just sick of all these Tommy Dreamer matches, like the one with Moose and, like, whatever. But, like, it's just Impact's, like, go-to guy. Like, oh, yeah, we need to quickly build a heated rivalry in bugger old time. Let's just send Tommy Dreamer out to have a garbage match. Well, couldn't the same be said about Dustin sort of in AEW? That he's would... sort of the go-to guy for a, a feud with a big heel out of nowhere? Yeah, that that's true. But I feel like this has been Tommy Dreamer's role for like... 20 you know, years? Yeah. I, I don't think we've had like 20 years of Dustin being this. Fair point. Yeah. So my overall thoughts were Josh Matthews on commentary compares the Motor City machine guns to President Donald Trump. What? How? Why? I, I missed that. I missed um, that one, obviously. So If you want to go back and hear it for yourself, it's at the 45-minute mark of this week's impact. Mm. The backstage was enjoyable for the most part. I don't get the locker room talk. Is Madison supposed to be a bad interviewer, or is it all a joke? I don't get it either. It's very confusing. However, the Tennille Dashwood photography segment was good on two levels. First, it's a great heel tactic to store for time. And secondly, do you remember Emelina? That's exactly what I thought of. Uh, I thought this was like her doing the Emelina gimmick. Yeah. Let's see how it goes. Yeah, or maybe, like, it's a shot at it. Who knows? But this felt very Emelina. I honestly didn't like it, that segment, that much. Like, they brought in Caleb Conley to be the photographer. And Caleb Conley's an extremely talented dude. And I don't know if this is the right role for him, but whatever. As a wrestler in his own right? Yeah, he is a fantastic wrestler. Um, he's done stuff with Impact before. He's been with NWA. He's done some stuff with Ring of Honor before. Yeah, he's a fantastic wrestler. And this gimmick is its a long step away from what he really is. So I, I don't know if I can buy it yet, but yeah. So overall, I gave this show a thumbs up. For Dark, I don't think I mentioned, I gave a thumb sideways. I didn't say Dark or NWA, so no thumbs from me. Impact, I'll give it a thumbs up as well. Fair enough. Did you happen to catch the New Japan Roadshow from Wednesday night? I am saving all of my New Japan energy for the next couple of weeks coming up. Yeah, I don't blame you. So I'll just touch on the key matches here. Well, the final two group tournament matches before the tournament final for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Championship. Co-main event, Bullet Club, Jado and Taiji Ishimori defeated Ryusuke Taguchi and Master Wado with Hiroshi Tanzan in their corner, tying both teams on two points. And in the main event, Suzuki Gun, El Desperado and Yoshinobu Katamaru on four points defeated Los Ingoblinables de Japon, Bushi and Hiromu Takahashi on four points. The other major news of that night was that the G130 participants were announced. We'll um, talk about that more on our R-Block show on Friday. Yeah, we got a whole lot of talking to do about this G1 coming up, but without spoiling it, any of the talk, 
that we're going to do for the R block. Excited or not? Very excited. Uh, I would say I'm very <laughs> excited too. There's a couple of people I wish weren't in the tournament, but... I don't uh, mean the whole way Emperor, do you? Well, um, no, there's... Uh, a certain headhunter? Hey, he's a champion now. He has to go in the G1. Oh, does he? <laughs> I suppose we'll save most of this for later, but yeah, go ahead. Anything else? There's some people I, I wish weren't in this tournament, but I got quite a few people that I didn't think would be able to make it into this tournament. So that sort of makes up for it. Yeah, so as always, I felt that in-ring quality delivered however these were more of the same on the road two shows setting up the um sort of g1 matches coming up and the the last two block matches in the tournament were a good quality as well i gave this a thumbs up very good from there we're going to thursday september 10th 2020 for wwe nxt super choose delay 2 choose delay Yes. Very good, Augie. Very proud of your work on that one. Match number one. We have the tiebreaker singles match for the vacant WWE NXT Championship. Finn Bella defeats Adam Cole. Next was a singles match. Velveteen Dream defeats Ashante Adonis, formerly known as Tahuti Miles. Next was a singles match. Bronson Reed defeats Austin Fury. Following that, Roderick Strong with Bobby Fish in his corner defeated Killian Dane. And in the main event, a steel cage match. Rhea Ripley defeated Mercedes Martinez with Robert Stone in her corner. Um, I really enjoyed the main event. I'm loving the good shove that they're giving Bronson Reed. It makes me very happy. Velveteen Dream, take it or leave it, whatever. Um, yeah, I'm not, not the big biggest fan of Velveteen anymore. Um, Finn Balor winning the title is the right move. The match itself, I didn't like it that much. Uh, I, I can see your notes and I have some very similar notes. There was, um, you can't work on someone's leg for an entire match and then get beaten by them doing a stomp, right? Yeah, so this whole show to me felt like a confusing mess. Finn Balor seems to have injured his knee early on and continues to go for another 15 minutes and finishes with not one but two top rope moves get the f out of here you prime yeah because he has the c crossed down his prince name so it's prime he's a prime yeah i have no idea what the hell this is supposed to be but that's finn's gimmick go ask him yeah or is it print or is it like prince <laughs> like oh, xy Prinexy, I don't know. But yeah, it's um confusing and weird. Is it him saying that he is a prince? Or is it him saying he's not a prince? I don't get his gimmick. I don't even know if he's heel or face. This match was stupid on so many levels. Like I said last week, oh, you should have just said you're having another match and then go, oh, this match has been postponed till next week so we can have a 15-minute tiebreaker match. And if anything happens, we'll bring it to you next week as we come on the air. Yeah, why couldn't we have just had a four-man tournament? Like Because we've seen what NXT does with tournaments. You have a Somehow you have a triple, uh, triple first place in one block with no tie break but then you have tie block on the other uh tie breaker on the other block where it's only a one man advancing yeah <laughs> so i'm just saying like they could have just had adam cole beat gargano last week and finn beat champa and then we just do finn balor versus adam cole this this week but not that to do the convoluted gimmick on top of a gimmick match and then have your dusty finish at the very end. And then we get to another week just to try to stretch out a possible ratings boost, basically.
Exactly. Yeah. Also, Tank Girl Shotzi's a heel, right? I mean, she keeps attacking a manager constantly and then attacks his client from behind after they were chased off by EO. Tank Girl does not matter to me. Like, I think she's very, very cringy. But yeah, I see the complaint. Like, why is she so obsessed with Robert Stone? Like, I, I don't get it. Lastly, we had dinner at the Gargano. Complete and utter crap. Free segments and who has a cricket box as the centerpiece of their dining table when having company over <laughs> uh, these segments were trash like if this is what you're doing with Gargano going forward like send him up because clearly you got yes, nothing left send him upstairs him. yeah just do anything else with him because I, I know you were quite critical about the Champa Gargano series, but I still think there is a bit of a star in Johnny Gargano. They just haven't been able to figure out how to use it for the past year and a half or so. They need to separate those two men. Yeah, and that's why if you're going to keep Champa on NXT and do whatever they're going to do with him, then get get rid of Gargano. Send him to SmackDown or Raw. Also, my last complaint, stop banging on the glass. It's yeah. like non-stop for two hours of in-ring action and sounds like I'm at a country footy game, but instead of it just happening after every goal, it's the whole match. That's a good comparison, actually, yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Come on, cutters. Could you imagine that for two and a half hours just... <laughs> Yeah, like, come on, guys, your hands have to be hurting at some point. Yeah, thumbs down for NXT this week. I'll give it a thumbs in the middle just because of the main event that I enjoyed. Yeah, that's where we, we differ. I sort of didn't really enjoy the main event there. Oh, okay. You know, that's, that's fine. I, I thought it was a good little plunder match. Yeah, yeah, I thought this sort of came out of nowhere, a steel cage with Mercedes when... The other week she was having a match with Raquel because she was feuding with Dakota and teaming with Eo against Raquel. Nah, but like Ray has always been feuding with the Robert Stone brand as well. Yeah, but that sort of seemed to finish when she put Mercedes through that table on the outside and her and Tank Girl beat Aaliyah. Remember? And then they sort of didn't bring it up again for a few weeks. Yeah, you're right, actually. The Surprise so cage match. <laughs> Ah, oh, we'll get to surprise cage match so shortly. Don't worry. It's not the only one this episode. Um, yeah. So, thumbs down for me. Thumbs sideways for Alex. We go on to All Elite Wrestling Dynamite. Tag team match with the Jurassic Express, Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus with Marco Star in their corner defeat the Lucha Brothers, Penta, L0M and Ray Phoenix with Eddie Kingston, the Butcher and the Blade in their corner. Match number two, Orange Cassie defeated Angelico with Jack Evans in his corner. Match number three, a no-disqualification tag team match. The inner circle team of Chris Jericho and Jake Hager defeated Joe Janela and Sonny Kiss. Match number four, the Vicious Vixens, Nyla Rose with Vicky Guerrero in her corner defeated Tay Conti. And match number five for the AEW TNT Championship, Mr. Brody Lee, the champion, with number four, John Silver in his corner, defeated Dustin Rhodes. We're, we're back in form here, AEW. Thank goodness for that. There wasn't, uh, as usual, that the first match on Dynamite, a cluster F tag match, was fun and all that sort of stuff. But And the main event was great. I enjoyed that. But besides that, like the matches aren't worth riding home about but we still got a great show full of good storytelling obviously we got a massive debut and i'll let you talk about some of this stuff as well 
Yeah, so I've really been enjoying AEW lately, well, other than All Out. Within the first minute of the show, it's brought up that Moxley cheated to retain and then sort of not address the rest of the night because Jericho and MJF agreed in the car park by Tony Schiavone. Yeah. Archer cut a good promo in the rain and happy to hear that Matt's going to recover to 100%. I hated the rain in the Archer segment. It's a really nitpicky thing, but it was so blatantly obviously fake rain. Like, it was so blatantly obvious that they had a spray bottle of water and just sprayed a little bit on each shoulder of Jake Roberts' shirt and that they superimposed, like, CGI rain, like a rain filter over the interview. And it just drove me nuts how fake the rain looked i don't know why like i didn't digest anything that was said in the promo because the rain was just annoying me so yeah so i have to take your word for it that lance archer cut a good promo but yeah the rain it drove me nuts kip's bachelor party will be a very happy miro day Muchka. Yeah, yeah. Oh, th- this whole thing was very divisive on the internet over the past week or so. Really? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, you're bringing in a monster like Rusev and he's going to be part of this stupid comedy gimmick with Kip Sabian and the wedding and also other particular people. Like, he comes out and he's in an oversized t-shirt and tracksuit pants and he's wearing a pair of trackies and he looks like crap and he's got blonde hair and blah, blah, blah. It's like, you guys are not picking up on it like the people i saw posting that stuff like i barely saw a positive thing about the miro debut really yeah maybe i'm following the wrong people or something but i barely saw anything positive on the twitterverse what about other websites or pods that you've listened to anything positive or negative there podcasts i've heard a lot more positives like on rbr weekly wrestling talk was fairly positive uh post wrestling was fairly positive but yeah uh Also, like, Twitter going nuts about Miro taking shots at the WWE. Like, like, he said two things. (laughs) He cut a two-minute promo and had two very small lines that were shots at the WWE, and that was it. Do you remember what either of them were? Yeah, it was like, compared to where I used to work, there isn't a glass ceiling here. I don't have to reach for a brass ring. They can just take their brass ring and, and shove it up their asses. That's my horrible Miro impression. But, um, yeah, it was just like, that's like 10 seconds out of a two-minute promo. Like, calm down, guys. Um, Would you rather him just come out and pretend like he was just a completely different dude and you didn't know who he was or where he came from? Like, he's got to address a little bit, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, And also, like, dudes, like, I get it. To the naked eye, he looks like a guy that just got off the couch and is in his trackies in an oversized shirt he's wearing though like five thousand dollars worth of clothing from what i saw online it was like a gucci mickey mouse shirt gucci mickey mouse track pants and like some really expensive nike shoes and it's just like dude he's not dressed like a wrestler he's dressed like a like a social media influencer, a Twitch streamer, because that's what he is. That's what Uh, Kip brought him in for. Yeah, and that's kind of what his gimmick is at the moment. He's a Twitch guy, and I like that. I like the idea of millennial Miro. Yeah, I like the idea of this big badass, but also he's concerned about his followers and, like, 
getting subscribers and putting up content, but when the bell rings, he'll kick your ass. I think there's a bit of depth to it. I think it was fantastic, but yeah, it really grinded my gears a little bit this week, seeing how much people are missing the point of the whole Miro thing. I was sad to see MJF's campaign is over. Yeah, leave the memories alone. It was good fun segments, but yeah, they sort of have to come to an end. Insane to have won their fight, and then Nina smiles and goes, oh, now you're smiling without asking, sweetie. Get the hell out! Yeah, I don't know. Maybe, like, don't mean to turn this real dark, but maybe it was the point of the Nina-MJF dynamic was to make people feel uncomfortable, maybe. But, geez, the whole Speak It Out movement sort of made me really uncomfortable listening to the MJF promos on Nina. You know what I mean? Like, because the way his talk is, like, how some of these women that spoke out were talking about guys that offended them in the past. I don't know, like, where do you draw the line with him going too far with being a heel? But, yeah. And then sort of the last positive thing I have here was a rare insight into what it means being signed to AEW. Tay was so overcome with emotion making her entrance tonight after announced as being officially signed. Yeah, huge signing. I think you've got a lot of moldable clay with Tay Conti. She's still relatively green, should I say. And she's... Green and gold? <sighs> of Brazil? Green and yellow, I would say, yes. But, uh, yeah, there's a lot of potential with Tay, and I think NXT really missed the boat with uh, getting rid of her and keeping some of the people they have kept. Just a real head-scratcher. So, yeah, I think AEW will really benefit in the long run for having Tay Conti on board. The few negatives I have is, firstly, another Sheeta nyla rematch. No thanks. Give me Abaddon or Mel or Lever. At least it's a new matchup. Do you really want to watch Mel? Yes, more than more than oh, another Nyla match. So on RBR Weekly Wrestling Talk last week, they pretty much talked about how there was a rumor that TNT wanted a women's main event on Dynamite at some point in the next couple of months. Like they wanted a headline and end a show with some women. I think Nyla and Sheeta is the direction they're going. These two have had really good matches in the past. Like, considering the injuries they've got and all that sort of stuff and a lot of the green women they have, I don't think there is too many other options on the roster. I, I don't think you're going to see too much of Abaddon on Dynamite. Fair enough. Probably not yet then. The other negative I had is... This implosion of the elite is so ass about face booking. I disagree, but what are your reasons? So Hangman turned on the Bucks, costing them the title opportunity. Then the Bucks were angry at that pay-per-view and walked out. Then they were friendly again and wanted Kenny to wait around for Hangman to finish their match and Kenny stormed off. And this week they just super kick Alex Marvez for no reason. Well, first of all, like... Like, I think I talked about it last week. I think they're trying to keep you guessing about who's coming out of this a heel and who's coming out of face. But I think this week in particular was one of the better weeks of it. I thought this was the better week of their whole split up. I haven't been a massive fan in previous weeks, but I thought this one was fine. Alex Marvez shouldn't be on TV anyway. He's pretty bad at his job, if I don't mind saying so. so him getting a kick actually provided what I'm going to steal off the Attitude Era Wrestling podcast, the grunt of the week. 
go back and listen to the noise he makes when he gets super kicked by the young bucks. It's hilarious. He just sort of goes, ooh. The depressed hangman is actually a bit of a highlight for me. I think he plays it really well. I think it's really obvious from this week's sort of storytelling that we're going to come out of this with a babyface hangman and heel Kenny and heel Bucks. I think the blatant, like, babyface promo from Kenny this week was, like, him sort of being two-faced. That, that's the impression I got. It was him, like, yeah, we saw him backstage and being a prick with the Bucks and all out. But then all of a sudden we see him on Dynamite and he's just being all nice. And, yeah, it's Kenny being an evil politician in a way. Overall, I gave this show a thumbs up. Yeah, big thumbs up. So we go on to Friday, September 11th, 2020. Did you happen to catch WWE's NXT UK? I saw a little bit because I thought NXT UK was starting last week and I turned it on and it was another bloody clip show or whatever it was. It returns this Friday, September 18th. Yeah, yeah, I jumped the gun. I jumped the gun a bit. Yeah, so apparently that means I must be keen to see what happens when they come back. Yeah, well, if you had <laughs> stuck around, you would have heard the special announcement of the first NXT UK Heritage Cup, an eight-man tournament contested under British rules. Yeah, I did see this announcement elsewhere. But yeah, interesting. Colour me intrigued, if you will. Yes, so the participants are Flash Morgan Webster, Noam Dar, Alexander Wolf, A Kid, Dave Mastiff, Joseph Connors, Trent Seven, and a mystery competitor. Yeah. <sighs> Who could the mystery be? I don't know. Really not that familiar with the NXT UK roster to even speculate on who it could be. The only thing I was thinking, maybe it's someone from NXT US or 205 Live or even Raw or SmackDown who hasn't been on for a few weeks but is back over in the UK at the moment. Man, it would be a good place to send Gargano. I was even thinking Drew Gulak as a technical sort of wrestler, but he's on uh, 205 Live this week, so that's out of the question. Yeah, I don't think it'll be a case of uh, sending any Americans over to the UK in a pandemic. Yeah. Unless there's some, like, European wrestlers in the US at the moment that have to go home. So, like, that that's sort of my reason for thinking that they quickly just turned around and took the title belts off Imperium on NXT. Is so they can send them back to NXT UK. Who are the two in Imperium that were NXT tag champs? It was Marcel Barthel and Fabian Eichner. Eichner would be a good fit for this tournament, wouldn't he? Eichner would be. Honestly, chuck the champ in the tournament. Chuck Walter in there. Do you want Walter in there? to lose, though, to someone to win the cup to set up a ch future challenger? I think so. Like, I love New Japan's booking between the G1 and Wrestle Kingdom because pretty much all your main events are decided between the G1 and Wrestle Kingdom by whoever got a victory over the champion in the G1. I like that sort of booking. Like, you beat a champ in a tournament, you got to get a title shot. So it's an easy way to sort of get to your feuds. Fair enough. So... The last thing I'd notice, they did show up the UK Thunderdome, which looks good. 
aka the BT Sports Studio. I saw a couple of photos of that too. I would say it looks even better. As there was no in-ring action I saw, I didn't rank it. Did you happen to catch the New Japan Road Show from Friday? Of course I did not. You just caught the major announcement that was the 90 matches for the G1. Man, and this is like a shorter G1 too. Yeah. Yeah, that's the crazy thing. Like, what is it most other years? Is it like 180 matches or what? (laughs) Once you include the undercard matches, yeah, 180 matches before the final night. Yeah, it's insane. Um, Wow, yeah. Yeah, that's just that's just ridiculous. Like, do you even get 180 matches on SmackDown in a year? Probably not at the rate <laughs> they're going at the moment. No. So the key matches here were there was a defense at the Never Openweight Six Man Tag Team Championship match. No, I'm not going to say the full name, Alex. Google it, ladies and gentlemen. It is the most ridiculous thing ever. You know why it's called that though don't you because of the open weight portion of it right no it was it actually predates the open weight title itself what yeah so never was originally established as sort of this young line show sort of what their nxt sort of was where they'd have monthly never project shows all right okay yeah Yeah. i I had no idea anyway there you go a bit of new japan history the less i know so the match was the team of Chaos, Hiroki Goto, Tomohiro Ishii, and Yoshihashi, the champions, defeating the team of Chaos, Kazuchika Okada, Sho, and Toru Yanu. Nothing really to add there, Alex? Oh, man. I've sort of predicted the next month or so, like, if you think Okada losing to, like, Yoshihashi in a six-man title match is bad, I think things are about to get a lot worse for the old Rainmaker in the next month or so. Possibly. And the main event of the night was the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Championship Tournament Final Match. The team of Suzuki Gun, El Desperado and Yoshinobu Katamaru defeated the team of Los Ingobernables de Japón, Bushi and Hiromu Takahashi. This is literally me finding out who won this tournament. So thank goodness Hiromu didn't win and got stuck with this tag title. Yeah, another That's gold for Suzuki Gun. Yeah, and Suzuki Gun, Ichiban. I will say, like, from everything I've seen of New Japan in the pandemic, El Desperado's been quite a revelation. Did you not realise how good he was before? I did not. No, I didn't. <laughs> I honestly didn't, just because, um, yeah, they've rarely had the chance to put a massive spotlight on him, and they've had that chance during this pandemic. It was him and might have been Dragon Lee last year's Best of the Super Juniors or even the Fantastic Gamania events there was a match where desperado pretty much loses his mask because it gets torn yeah so he's wrestling the rest of the match with his hair poking through the hole of the mask to try to cover his face yeah that's awesome <laughs> uh i remember sort of like that year i only tuned into the best of the super juniors final and then sort of went nuts watching everything new japan from the best of the super juniors final all throughout until pretty much the tag team tournament where i sort of slack off a bit the two tag tournaments to close the year yeah i sort of slack off there a bit so does everyone else i think yeah i missed all the awesome el desperado stuff so he's been a revelation fair enough i gave this another thumbs up uh new japan's in ring continues to deliver and also going back and listening to the announcement 
in the English commentary, Kevin Kelly has announced they're going to try to do live English commentary, uh, saying that the technology worked well for him on the Jingu Stadium show. Oh my God, that's such a relief to hear. Thank you. No Japanese commentary for Alex? Like, I get that there's actually quite a large audience out there that have been following Japanese wrestling for such a long time that they're sort of just used to listening to commentary they don't understand. Me, on the other hand, I pretty much jumped onto the New Japan train at, like, Wrestle Kingdom 9 when they brought in JFW to do English commentary. So, yeah, I need the English commentary. Yeah, I've watched a few like best of the super juniors and um g1s before where it wasn't all english commentary live on new japan world so that doesn't phase me usually i'll just turn the volume down a little and just watch in the background because i don't understand almost any of it understand the names and sometimes if a move's called and that's about it yeah the reason why i find english commentary really important for me is that there's actually some very intricate in-ring storytelling in new japan like there's some really good psychology in the matches a lot of the times and Kevin Kelly in particular like he does a really good job of explaining why someone's going for this body part or like hey these two guys have this background from this dojo or that dojo and it gets you really like a lot more invested in the matches so yeah English commentary is very helpful for me. Fair enough so from there we're going to Saturday September 12th 2020 for WWE's SmackDown. Are you ready? I'm ready for a average time. (laughs) I I thought it was a pretty okay time. Yeah, I wouldn't say particularly good, but not bad. So we'll get there. Results were match number one, Intercontinental Championship match. AJ Styles defeat Jeff Hardy, the champion, by DQ after Sami Zayn ran in. Match number two, tag team match, the Lucha House Party, Grand Metalik and Kalisto with Lindsay Dorado in their corner defeated Cesaro and Shinsuke Nakamura. Match number three for the WWE SmackDown Women's number one contendership, a fatal four-way match, Nikki Cross defeating Alexa Bliss, Lacey Evans and Tamina. Nikki pinned Tamina. Fourth, Otis with Tucker in his corner defeat John Morrison with The Miz in his corner. And the main event of the night, a tag team match, Jay Uso and Roman Reigns defeating King Corbin and Sheamus. So in my opinion, there was very few highlights this week on SmackDown. The Roman and Jay story, I'm really intrigued by seeing where it goes. They're playing up their back history, being cousins, sort of growing up near each other and with each other. The new member of the Firefly Funhouse. Oh my god. How hilarious was that? Oh, so good. Um Oh, what's his name? Um Wobbly Walrus. <laughs> and just describe what he looks like. Well, he comes out, he introduces himself slowly to the ladies and gentlemen and says his name. Yes, that's right. We've got a walrus in a suit dressed like Paul Haven. It is perfect. It is wonderful. Bray Wyatt's facial expressions during this segment were just hilarious, man. And like, they do it almost every other episode with Bray, but it it always cracks me up where they sort of do the tight zoom in on Bray and he does a big disappointed looking face and the music in the background just goes, 
It gets me every time. For me to think a Firefly Funhouse is good, just put some sad music onto a tight zoom in of Bray Wyatt looking ridiculous for five minutes. I'll have the best time of my life. <laughs> I like how Mr. Bossman comes in and says that Bray's lost his way and to fix up the Firefly Funhouse, he's appointed an advocate in Wobbly Warris. Has to be like sort of a shot about how earlier this year they brought in Paul Heyman to help write the Firefly Funhouse segments and the segments sort of turned to crap. Oh. Did you hear about that? No. Yeah, so this had to have been a shot at that. Oh. Then Mr. Bossman, so happy with himself, goes, this is such good shit. Yeah, yeah, so good. Oh, it was an absolute highlight of SmackDown for me. When we finally got the Firefly Funhouse back at its most hilarious form, and I love it. So for myself, other than that, it was low lights plenty, especially the Otis Money in the Bank stuff. Oh, man, just, I, I don't know what he's going to do with it now. Oh, just get rid of it. Just have him try to cash in on Roman, and Roman just kills him. Stuff it. Opens the briefcase, and he forgot that's the one he has his lunch in this week. Because if you didn't see SmackDown, Miz and Morrison stole the briefcase at one point and it has their lunch in the Money in the Bank briefcase. Money in the Bank lunchbox has the contract in it. Yeah, but this week they stole the lunchbox, but it wasn't the right lunchbox because the lunchbox was inside the actual briefcase this time. I don't understand it. No. Lastly, is Adam Pearce part of the quarterly brand-to-brand invitational? No, he's always sort of been on SmackDown the past six months or so. Yeah, but he's been on Raw a lot as well. Yeah, I guess the brand split only matters to wrestlers. Yeah. That's why we got Michael Cole on Raw last week. This week? Uh, this week, yeah. Yeah, I thought this was a bad episode. I go thumbs down. Uh, yeah, I think we should quickly touch on the other highlight. The Jey Uso-Roman Reigns thing. It's a bit of a slow build and they might need to sort of get a move on with it. But this Roman Reigns heel turn is really intriguing me. I don't know where it's going yet, but I'm genuinely curious. And yeah, I went out of my way this week to watch SmackDown Live. Oh, wow. Uh, normally I don't do that on a Sunday, a Saturday morning. So you normally so watch on a Sunday morning. Mm. So like they got me hooked enough to want to watch it live. So they're doing something right. And I probably will do the same again this coming Saturday morning, just so I can see the next development in the Roman Reigns storyline. Two big highlights for me doesn't counteract a bad show though. Thumbs down. So speaking of things that you could watch live, did you happen to catch out 205 Live? Stop trying to make 205 Live happen. <laughs> it ain't gonna happen. But I've got a big Cruiserweight Championship from Super Showdown and, and it's got Buddy Play and it's from 205 Live. And well, well watch NXT <laughs> where the Cruiserweight title ma- matters yeah. somehow. Yeah. Oh, geez, yeah. Match number one, Brian Kendrick defeated... Ashate Adonis, that's the former Tahuti Miles. Match number two, tag match ever rise. Chase Parker and Matt Larnell defeated the brothers Lockhart, Andrew and Eric. And the main event, Laguerre del Fantasma, Walking Wild and Raul Mendoza with Cruiserweight champions Santos Escobar in their corner defeated the team of Danny Birch and O'Neill Lorcan. A nothing special show in my opinion. It still massively suffers from WWECW syndrome. 
It's this weird halfway point, part main roster, part development, thumb sideways. I'm not going to be watching it anytime soon. <laughs> Just you wait, we'll get you with like a, a DJZ bromance reunion on here. I don't know what they could do that could hook me, to be honest. If they somehow brought back Ezekiel Jackson to be Brian Kendrick's bodyguard again, maybe I'd be hooked. Okay. Oh, Kendrick's already held the championship under this interaction. Yep, yep. He Just about it. anyone that had any momentum at any point held it and quickly lost it. The only one who didn't was Ali. Yeah, he didn't, did he? That's all the only big one from yeah, like, Five Live who's still there who hasn't held it. It's still crazy to think about that this this particular version of this title like came into fruition in a tournament that involved Kota Ibushi and Zack Sabre Jr. <laughs> imagine, like, it's just insane. Imagine, like, what is it they always say on World B where you've got Kota Ibushi and Zack Sabre Jr. on 205 Live challenging over the championship going into WrestleMania. When do you think the last time Kota Ibushi actually weighed 205 was? There's no way that dude's making the 205 limit these days. I don't know. Have you seen him? Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, he's a bit more beefed up these days. Like, he's shredded still. Like, you can still see, like, all 37 of his abs, but he's got some massive guns on him. There's no way he's 205. <laughs> I don't know. Um, oh, but Z Zack Sabre Jr. in alternate timeline, like as the WWE Cruiserweight Champion, but also still like cutting the sort of like post-match press conference promos that he cuts in New Japan. <laughs> oh, man, it'd be amazing. Speaking of New Japan, did you happen to catch New Japan of America strong this week? Like I said... No New Japan this week. Building up for an overload of New Japan coming up. Fair enough. So match one, tag team match. The team I actually suggested should have the junior titles, ACH and TJP, defeated Adrian Quest and Logan Regal. Second, Rocky Romero defeated Danny Limelight. Third, the Gorillas of Destiny, Tama Tonga and Tunga Loa defeated David Finlay and PJ Black, and the main event, an IWGP US heavyweight right to challenge contract singles match, Kenta defeated Jeff Cobb. Yeah, this whole Kenta going back to Japan thing, like Kenta is in Japan right now. Like these New Japan strong things were taped weeks in advance this thing's got me really confused about like how they're going to get to this john moxley title match i genuinely have no idea how they're going to do this especially with moxley not losing the AEW title at all out so we had said last week that we thought mjf's gonna win the title so mox won't have it on him and he can go and do this title match over in japan and lose the title and finally end this whole moxley us experiment that's just been a failure in my opinion yeah so i have a weird theory have you seen the poster for AEW full gear that came out no go ahead there's particular people on the poster like Miro, Archer, pretty much name anyone except there isn't a John Moxley on the poster. There isn't any member of the elite. There isn't a Cody. There isn't the Young Bucks hangman, Kenny. There is no Chris Jericho on the post. Like those like are pretty much your big draws in AEW. I found it really weird that Archer's on the poster and Moxley isn't. So is it possible that at the one year anniversary of Dynamite show and a few weeks or whatever it is, they're actually going to drop 
the title to Archer? I don't know. Personally, I wouldn't, but I wouldn't put past him either. Yeah, like, considering how they sort of rehabbed Brody Lee, like, pretty much out of nowhere just by giving him a title, because... Like, if you think back, like, it didn't look like Brody Lee was going to be in the TNT title picture until, like, a week before he won it. So it was a fairly quick rehab, and now we think Brody Lee's doing a pretty good job. Like, I don't, yeah. I don't know if you agree, but yeah. So this could just be their way of rehabbing big guys. It's just like, yep, we'll just quickly chuck them in a title tournament, and then they'll have the shock victory when they kill the champion. Champion goes away for a bit. And maybe the champion will come back and reclaim the title down the road. Do you want me to poke a hole in your theory there? All right, what is it? Archer's already been in a title tournament and lost. Brody Lee already had been in a title match on pay-per-view and lost. This is their way of rehabbing them from those losses. Yeah, that's my theory anyway, yeah. My comparison is Archer losing the TNT title, rehab him, give him the world title, and vice versa for Brody Lee. Okay, so back to... New Japan, I'm really enjoying New Japan Strong each week. However, in my opinion, they are suffering from the IWGP US Heavyweight Champion John Moxley not being allowed to appear on any of their US shows, but they continue to bring him up on commentary each week. Also, while travel restrictions are in place, with Mox's AEW champion, it's not likely he'll be going to Japan for a title match anytime soon. Yeah, just sort of touching upon everything that you've just um mentioned there as well so i really enjoyed this show i gave it thumbs up very good yeah i'm just like confused as to how they're going to get to this kenta moxley match now like kenta's now in japan like what's gonna happen i'm so confused i thought mjf was gonna win mox is gonna disappear from aw for a while go over to japan self-isolate for two weeks that'll be around the time of the end of the g1 kenta doesn't win g1 invokes his right to challenge mox mox appears loses the belt finally have it on someone who can defend in the u.s because we saw last year with the typhoon they had to strip him then they put it back on him for whatever reason the Wrestle Kingdom and they're stuck without a US champion in the US who can wrestle on the US shows on their US company. Yeah, man, they shouldn't have had Juice Robinson lose at Wrestle Kingdom. I can't remember which order it was. I'm pretty sure Archer was not too. Archer was champion. He lost to Mox. So Mox was new champ going into night two against Juice in a normal match. Yeah, they should have had Yeah, they should have had Mox just have a one day title reign. Have Juice beat him for the title that night too. From there, did you happen to catch out Talking Smack? No, but I heard there was a bit of um, breaking news on it. (laughs) So Mandy Rose has moved from SmackDown to Raw via Talking Smack. Or, as Mandy said on Twitter, what? (laughs) Yeah. Oh my God. What are they doing? Cut to The Undertaker's reaction from the O2 draft. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Just that big wide eyed, like, you serious? Oh, man. So this obviously means either Billy or Peyton's going to show up on SmackDown, right? Maybe. But I was thinking more along the lines of this screws steak and weights. He doesn't have his little buttercup or whatever he calls her there. Yeah, his peach. That's it, his peach. 
Yeah. Well, he's still got Take, but yeah, he doesn't have Mandy anymore. Um, okay, so there goes the option of him feeling sorry for Mandy and giving her a title shot. Yeah, I sort of alluded to this earlier on SmackDown. Like, yeah, I, I don't know what they're going to do with this briefcase anymore. Tag match or Otis is an idiot and lets the time run out or he loses the cash in. I think you just have Roman kill him for the when he cashes in. He hasn't even, like, teased cashing it in once, though, since he won it. Nah. I think he has to lose the briefcase to someone. Well, I said that before. If he was going to do a challenge match, he would have done it against someone like Corbin or that straight off the bat on the next pay-per-view. I think we're slowly building up to a match for the briefcase with Morrison and Miz, maybe like a tag team ladder or something ridiculous like that. Wow, that does not interest me. John Morrison in the title picture interests me, but not as this goofy John Morrison who is a heel. I want like babyface 2011 John Morrison back. But what yeah. do I know? <laughs> um, so there wasn't really any pay-per-views over the weekend. That brings us to Tuesday, September 15th, 2020. Alex, have you seen Being the Elite yet? I did. I noticed in your notes you've put in a little section that says Alex is Being the Elite report. I think next week I'll actually have to start taking some notes for Being the Elite because apparently I have a report to do. <laughs> I just seen there was one major thing on Twitter here and I thought, oh, Alex has probably seen Being the Elite before we record. So I'm assuming the major thing you're talking about is the Matt Seidel thing. Yeah, so go ahead and explain what happened there. <laughs> so what happens is we see backstage the Bucks hanging out with Kenny and this is before All Out and they're trying to book the Casino Battle Royale and then Michael Nakazawa comes into the locker room and is pretty much asked if he can be a part of the Battle Royal and they're like no, you don't have any star power. Why would we put you on pay-per-view? He's like, oh, could I please be the Joker? And they're like, they're going to expect someone huge that's going to come out and make an immediate impact. Why would we put you in there, Nak? Like, chill out. And then they're like, oh, Nak is here. I was like, who is it? Who... Who, who's it going to be then? And they're like, come here, I'll tell you in secret. It's Matt Seidel. And they're like, whoa, Matt Seidel? Yeah, the guy that does the shooting star press real good. Yeah, we'll just get him to come in, hit a shooting star press, and everyone will love it. And then Nakazawa gets a devious idea. We see it cut to Nakazawa at the ring, and Nakazawa's got his signature baby oil, and he's pouring baby oil all over the top turnbuckle, and that is how they explain that Matt Seidel slipped on the top rope and it is hilarious. Yeah, I saw a little like photo of this on Twitter and went, oh, I'll have to remember to ask Alex about that. That sounds way better in execution. Yeah, it, it's them just going back, backtracking, covering their asses and just make chicken salad out of chicken stuff as you usually like to say. But if you get a chance, ladies and gentle humans, like go back and watch BTE and there's some more hilarious Dark Order segments. Just like John Silver just being a hilarious goofball and Brody Lee just yelling at him like a maniac. It's so funny, man. The Dark did, Order are amazing. Did they sort of set up any matches for Dark or Dynamite on? BTE this week or any announcements? Oh, they don't usually set up matches on BTE. It's usually more story-based, but there was a bit of hype 
and they did do a little bit of hype for the Peter Avalon versus Brandon Cutler match for Dark. Oh, that's this week. Yeah, the O has got to go. I might actually tune in just to see that match because I'm curious. I'm curious as to how they managed to pull off the both men lose in the same match. They're going to try to do it, right? <laughs> Time limit draw. <laughs> no, nah, but then it's a draw. So then it'll be like O one one and 25. They're going to figure out a way that both men lost. Double count out. No, nah, because then that'll be another draw. They're both going to get pinned at the exact same time. And then instead of announcing it as a draw, they'll just say that both men lost or something stupid like that. Maybe. Yeah, who knows? Uh, so from there, also Monday, did you happen to catch out Ring of Honor Wrestling number 469? So as we're recording this, I'm only... Uh, pretty much halfway through the episode. So I just saw the finish of the Jay Lethal-Dalton Castle match, which I thought was great. The videos, the hype-up videos before the matches, like the Jay Lethal one and the Dalton Castle one were, like, incredible. I loved it. What do you think of Ring of Honor's new graphics package and that that they're using? Yeah, it's very good. Um, A cleaner? yeah. Yeah, I, I actually really enjoy this presentation of Ring of Honor. Uh, definitely a sports-like presentation, but but in a world where a lot of people are focusing on the entertainment side of wrestling, yeah, why not do the sports side instead? Be an alternative. What did you think of Quinn McKay as the presenter sort of at the start of the show, running down the tournament, the participants and the rules? I thought she was very good. She didn't stand out either way for me, to be honest, but I... I think that sort of makes it good, right? That's the role she sort of put in there. She's not a wrestler herself. So it is not one of the Ring of Honor pure tournament. Of course, the Ring of Honor pure rules apply to all tournament matches with time limits being 15 for the first round, 20 for the second round. Block finals have 30 and the tournament final has an hour time limit. If matches go to the time limit, we will go to the judges scorecard. So competitors in block A or the red block, is Jay Lethal versus Dalton Castle, David Finley versus Rocky Romero, Silas Young versus Fred Yehi, and Tracy Williams versus Russ Taylor, with the alternative being Dark Dapper. So, do you want to make quick predictions of how this tournament's going to go? N- not for the <laughs> R block or anything like that, but do you have? Do you um, just have any predictions? I already sort of see probably where they're going to go for the final. I, I think so too. Um, okay. Tag champs? Yeah. I think we're going to get a Gresham Lethal final and Gresham wins the pure title. Uh, So B block or the silver block is Jonathan Gresham versus Wheeler Yatta, Delirious versus Matt Seidel, then Josh Woods versus Kenny King and PJ Black versus Tony Deppin, with the alternative being Brian Johnson. Tony Deppin being brought into Ring of Honor is pretty cool. I've seen some of his work on Game Changer Wrestling. He's very multi-talented. He can be like the most heelish of heels at time, which is good. Um, he's great technically, and he can also take some pretty crazy violent bumps from one Nick Gage in particular. So his very willing to try new things so him being in ring of honor that's very cool yeah this side of the bracket i think it's a foregone conclusion it's jonathan gresham yeah i'd have to agree there they do talk up at the start of the um night how lethal's the only 
former Ring of Honor pure champion in the entire tournament. Yeah, and that there's never been a two-time pure champion. Um, so first match is a block A match. It is Jay Lethal versus Dalton Castle. Goes 13-11 with Jay Lethal winning via pinfall. Good match. I haven't watched Dalton Castle in a while, and I forgot how good he actually is. So. Yeah, he was sort of cursed there for a while with that big injury run he had, unfortunately, after getting the title and whatnot. Yeah, and um, I forgot how good Jay Lethal was too. Like, I knew he's good, but he's just so talented. Jay Lethal's promo in the video packages, though, was just amazing. Like, showing the stuff with him and Joe and all that. Yeah, it, it really makes me want to see Jay Lethal make it to the final. So yeah. they got their job done correctly there. Um, do you mind if I talk about the second match? Go for it, mate. It's my <laughs> fault for not having finished it yet, so spoil uh, it. Singles match, Jonathan Gresham versus Wheeler Yatta goes 10-24, Gresham winning by submission. So they didn't go the judges' scorecard, but the judges tonight were Gary Gister, Will Ferrara, and Sumi Sakai. Oh, Sumi. Yeah. I'm really excited to see Ring of Honor back. And while I'm sad that our Aussies cannot take part just yet, they're active across the Ring of Honor social media. To the tournament itself is great. Yatta being trained by Gulak and Tracy Williams and having been in the training systems of Mishinoku Pro in Japan, as well as WXW in Germany, in my opinion, one to watch out for going forward. Yeah, I've seen some of his stuff before this, so I wasn't surprised to see him on this card. Guiltily, I did want to see Sumi's scorecard for each match. <laughs> uh, I gave it a thumbs up for the show. Very good. Uh, what about you so far into the show? Would you say thumbs up, thumbs down, thumbs sideways? Massive thumbs up at the halfway point, and I don't see what they can do to get me to change my mind on that either. So just assume thumbs up for the entire show for me. And they are all available for free on the Fight app, or if you're part of on a club, they're available there. Go to the final show of the week. It is time for Raw. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Uh, yeah, this is this is horrible. <laughs> So let's go through the matches here. Match one, tag team match. The Street Profits, Angelo Dawkins and Montez Ford, the Raw Champions, defeat Cesaro and Shinsuke Nakamura, the SmackDown Champions, in a Champions Exhibition match, even though it wasn't called that. <laughs> Just basically none of the titles are on the line. Singles match, Cedric Alexander with the Hurt Business in his corner. MVP, Sean Benjamin and Bobby Lashley defeated Ricochet with Apollo Crews in his corner. Third, a WWE Raw Women's Championship match. Asuka, the champion... Defeats Mickey James via referee stoppage. <sighs> Fourth was a singles match. Bobby Lashley with MVP defeated Eric. Fifth, a steel cage match. Seth Rollins defeats Dominic Mysterio with the Mysterio family, Ray, Angie, and Aaliyah in his corner by pinfall. Then it's off to your favorite time of the night, 10 p.m. Eastern for Raw Underground. Okay. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> um, yeah, we... we... We got the return of um, Braun Strowman in his 1999 Michael Hayes cosplay. Oh, yeah. Uh, so Dolph defeats a nobody. Then Dolph and Rick are fighting. 
which ends in a no contest, I guess, because Strowman becomes involved. Go to add, come back. Strowman beats up nobody, then defeats Riddick Moss, then defeats Tyus O'Neill. We go back to the ring. Kevin Owens defeats Alistair Black in a singles match. 12th, a tag team match. The right to squad with Ruby Wright and Liv Morgan defeating Team Hashtag Boat, Natalia and Lana, while Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler were on commentary. Back to the underground. Braun Strowman defeats someone. Then he defeats Riddick Moss and Dolph Ziggler and has a stare down with Yabba Dabba Doo. Uh, yeah. Main, <laughs> main event of the night, Drew McIntyre versus Keith Lee ends in a no contest, I guess, because retirement became involved. Retirement? Yeah, that's why I'm calling him, because I want this angle to retire. <laughs> I would say this was, like, one of the better Retribution nights. I'm not saying that this was great, but in comparison to their other nights, this is one of their stronger nights. Hang on. Do you know when they debuted? Whenever the Raw Underground debuted, it was the same episode of Raw. Okay, so they've been around since August the 4th. What's that? Six weeks. In that time, if you're saying Retribution has one good angle after six weeks... Should I care? Oh, definitely not. But that's not necessarily my point. My point is more so that this was like their best of their six weeks. And I'm not necessarily even saying this was a great angle or anything like that. I'm just saying this is their best appearance at least. And at least we're getting some promos from these dudes for a change. I guess. In my opinion, Ross especially suffers from the style programming format of WWE. Every week there's so much filler. Recaps. Commentators stalling, spouting out mindless dribble and the same WWE shop ads. Uh, Retribution can get the F out. I have negative interest in this group. When they came on, I wanted to go and make coffee. Hey, backstage is Alistair Black. He's found his eye patch. What? Oh, dear. Murphy is a disciple of Seth again. What? Well... (sighs) I I don't have an explanation for you on that one. I defended the Murphy thing last week because you were like, what, Murphy's not with Seth anymore or what? And I was like, yeah, he got sacked last week. Now, I guess the story here this week is Murphy's trying to get back in the good graces of Seth. So he's like sucking up to Seth and Seth's like, oh, so good, you finally came to talk to me, blah, blah, blah. Because Seth is basically portraying the role of evil Jesus, right? So he forgives and all that. But in the end, he ends up being more evil than anything. And we saw that. Also, Drew opens the show by saying his jaw is injured. Later, Drew and Keith Lee brawl backstage, including Drew being thrown face first with his jaw hitting a shipping box and is fine later. What? Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, continuity. Saying that he should retire because his jaw is that badly injured, but he wants to face Randy Orton. Gets in a brawl backstage where his face, including his jaw, hits a shipping container, but he's fine later on and doesn't have to retire from this injury, which will worsen his fracture in his jaw. Ugh, what? Lastly, raw in your face. What are we? Eight-year-olds? Oh, well, I guess the company is run by a 78-year-old man. Like, what was in your face about this Raw? Did you just chuck a freaking name on the episode of this show just to see if it gets more interest from people? Like, you didn't do anything different about this show to make it in your face. It's just dumb. Just a waste of time. Yep. Pretty much. Yep. Raw in general was a waste of time this week. Yeah. Don't I gave it watch a, it. It I was gave it a, dumb. 
<laughs> I gave it a thumbs down. A couple of quick points here before we sign off for the week. WWE, stop trying to make WWE 2K a thing. It's not going to happen. You're never getting my money again. If Sony gives you refunds, you know you've effed up a game big time. So are they still advertising 2K20 or is this for 2K Battlegrounds? This is for Battlegrounds, but Man. it's still under the 2K yeah. Um, branding. Yeah. yeah, I've recently put 2K20 back into my PlayStation 4 to g- give it another go and see. Can I, can I ask you? Did you survive the Red Ring of Death? I survived it. It um, actually played pretty well this time. I guess after about a year of owning it and me giving up on the game in December, they must have done a couple of updates since then. So oh, you know, I got this game pre-order before first day release and um, gave up before Christmas and decided to get something else. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty much it. I've just been playing like the New Japan uh, Fire Pro Wrestling World from like three years ago that has like Kenny Omega in New Japan. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, I've just been playing that for a year. <laughs> because <laughs> like an outdated roster like is still much better than a 2k game and an outdated roster in a game that is deliberately like 32 bits because it's got the arcade feel to it so much better than 2k uh, <laughs> yeah. lastly i guess new japan g1 starts on the 19th our block will be out friday morning because g1 decide to release all their dates and participants later than when we thought so i've been quietly doing my picks for the G1, right? And I'm like, all right, this is who I pick as my finalist, right? And then I'll look at my pick, then I'll do my picks, and then I realise, oh, my picks do not correlate as to who's in my final. Like, I've given someone too many wins, so the person I originally picked to be in the final, it wouldn't make sense for them to be in the final on my bracket. So I keep, like, making horrible miscalculations so now I'm at the point where I've had to handwrite all the matches, take little notes as to who's won, who I've picked for each match. I've had to make like makeshift little uh, blocks so I can assign points so I know how to get the right two people I want in the final in the actual final. It's just been chaos, me trying to figure it out. Here we go. Yujiro Takahashi versus Yoshihashi final. You you say that, but... It is 2020. (laughs) Like, it wouldn't be the weirdest thing. I I definitely had to figure out ways to make sure that not everyone I hate ends up winless in my G1. And it's like, all right, I really don't like Yujiro and I don't like Yoshihashi, but they're probably going to win a match at some point. I can't just have them at zero if I want to win this R block. Yeah. And also, like, okay, yes, Alex, you really like Ibushi. You really like Suzuki, but they can't win every single match match (laughs) Uh, no not when they're in the same block exactly and you can't just give them a draw because you don't want to decide between the two like i did initially oh yeah don't worry draws will be in play so yeah remember new japan does do a couple of draws or double can outs or stuff in the g1 so if it's ruled a draw we're gonna have to hope that we pick the draw on the right day (laughs) 
Yeah, and also like trying to figure out because like every year Toriyanu gets his big like upset victory, right? So like trying to figure out who he's going to get his big upset victory against this year has been a pain in the neck for me. Like trying to even figure out who the finalist is going to be has been like quite a head scratcher for me because quite frankly, if I had to pick anyone to be main eventing Wrestle Kingdom, it's probably not going to be like besides... Obviously, Naito in B- Block B. Besides Naito, no one else from Block B would be my choice. Um, hang on, let's pop the old Shitsky. To, to go up against Naito in a main event of Wrestle Kingdom. There's n- not really many fresh options except for one that I, I don't know if they're going to do it, but I don't think they will. Goto. You know my thoughts on Goto. He's awesome. <laughs> He makes me go to sleep. No, no, that's the other wrestler. He's over in Bullet Club who uses that move. But he'll be what? facing him on night two. You can uh, go to hell. Leave Reiki Goto alone. Well, actually, no. Target him. Just leave Suzuki Gun alone. Exactly. Like, Tachi. Ichiban. Spoiler alert. I picked Tachi to beat Okada at one point, so... <laughs> <laughs> oh. Well, now that you've named that match... Yeah, I've gone the same there. <laughs> yeah, I, I've, that, that, I've, that's the I've, only I've, one I'm going to give away there. <laughs> you can yeah. tune in on Friday for the rest. Yeah, as I said earlier in this program, I fully don't predict Okada to have a successful G1 this year. This might be the year that he gets into the whole put people over mode. Never know. Or maybe it might be the year he starts off quite shaky and then makes a good run at the end. Who knows? Who knows? But yeah, um, look out for that. That's coming out on Friday. Then what have we got coming up on Monday? And then we got Survivor Series 98 coming out on Monday and then another because week. Because it's a deadly game. <laughs> oh, yeah. Deadly game. Yeah banger of a tune that i look forward to talking about and then another uh weekly wrestling wrap followed by to end the month we'll have a thunderstorm where we're talking about new japan wrestling theme songs our top 10 each and then to close out the show we're doing another documentary review of wwe 24 the show must go on from this year talking wrestlemania how it got moved to the pc yeah man this coming month and the previous month of that has just gone like we're putting out more content than ever. Uh, we're been going crazy here, trying to keep our beautiful humans happy. And um, yeah, hope you guys enjoy the shows because yeah, we're definitely having fun putting it, all this content out three times a week for you lovely humans. Yes, between all my sleep deprived nights and my insane work schedule. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Hoggy's a maniac. Uh, like, as much as I'm the guy that sort of power talks over everyone on this podcast, um, like, uh, Chris is the guy that does all the behind-the-scenes work and all that sort of stuff. So, like, if you enjoy our podcast, it's pretty much because of Chris's hard work. And, yeah, many props to you, Con, sir. Thank you, uh... Yeah, I wouldn't be, wouldn't be doing this alone without you. Uh, you probably could, but yeah, you'd have a lot less controversial opinions on your podcast, probably. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so with that being said, I think we'll speak to all you lovely humans next time. Good day. Bye-bye.